0: Hey, Linda and Drew Scott here.
1: Welcome to At Home.
0: Finally, a show where I don't have to wear a tie, a tool belt, or even pants.
1: For all you know, we could be recording this from the toilet.
0: For the past decade on Property Brothers, hundreds of families have invited us on their journey to create their dream homes.
1: And with every family we met, we learned a little more about what really makes a house a home.
0: Now we want to invite you to come along on our journey.
1: To live in a tree house. RV. A farm.
0: Whatever it is, we have a lot to learn.
1: That's where we bring in our lovely guests.
0: They'll share their experiences on everything from building healthy relationships to growing baby carrots. I've always wondered about those.
1: And speaking of babies, we want to be sure that we're playing our part in making the planet better for our future kids.
0: We know that the changes we all want to see in the world start at home.
1: I've always wanted to live in a treehouse.
0: Doesn't everyone? This This is At home. Home. Howdy, howdy. This is at home. Thanks for coming to hang out with us.
1: Happy Tuesday and happy November 3rd.
0: Election day. This is, So all we're hearing everywhere we look right now is about the election. And of course. it's so important. I really, really hope every person listening here, I hope you pre-registered for voting or I hope you're there today. You're out there at the polls voting. Um, it's It's so, so important that every one of us use our voice. It does make a difference. But the thing that really jumps out to me about this election and and every election is that everyone gets focused on the federal level and so many people forget about their local government, the municipal level. And that's why we're really excited about our guest this week because Nithya Raman is running for local city council here in LA District 4. She is amazing, such a strong energy. She's passionate. She is speaking for the people. Mm -hmm. She's bringing the voice of the people to city council and we really hope that she can make a difference. I love that Nithya is 100% people powered. Her campaign doesn't have any big money, big Mm -hmm. corporate money, it's just powered by the people.
1: And it gives power to the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that resonates so strongly is that she is on the ground speaking with the people who council is supposed to help. Like it just makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and this is a thing that a lot of people don't realize your local government has a lot more power in a lot of cities, just like here in LA, um, than you think. It's Mm -hmm. not all federal or state that make the decisions. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking at issues that really, they they bother me and I want to find a solution, the housing crisis, the-
1: Climate crisis. Homelessness. Yeah, she's able to start making changes at the local level. Because when it comes to crisis as big as uh, housing and climate and racial injustice and- on and on and on, it's easy to feel hopeless and feel like the issues are so big that, you know, we can't deal with it at this level. But change really does start in the community, in your neighborhood and in your own home.
0: Exactly. And having someone like Nithya as a part of that conversation at the local council level, I think is really important because then, you know, your voice is being heard. So this is Nithya Raman. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career.
0: I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your
1: Google Nest doorbell? Oh, I said our. He said, My. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks,
0: <laughs> my security system with Google <laughs> Nest speakers and displays.
1: And I like to say, Hey, Google, to get started.
0: Listen, I said, Ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24 7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit adt.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
0: I can feel the love,
2: so much for um, having me. I feel very grateful for this. I also feel particularly grateful at this moment because it's like now the negative part of the campaign. Um, And like the incumbent has been uh, you know, just like it's just been a change in the tenor of what has been happening. And it just feels really wonderful to be able to engage with people who are positive and feel excited. You well, know? Thank,
1: yeah. thank you so much for taking the time out of your crazy busy schedule to, to chat with no, us. I'm very grateful. Very grateful.
0: Well, it, it's actually, it's really awesome for us too, because your name comes up from every angle and it's sort of this, you have this energy about you, which is really exciting. And mm-hmm. I think that's why so many people are gravitating towards you What's what you're passionate about, and knowing that you are someone who can bring change for LA, which can inspire change across the country, and so we really did want to dig into. I I really like too how. um, So again, for anybody who's joining us who doesn't know Nithya, Nithya is running for city council here in LA in District Four, which is our district, and there are so many aspects of what you are all about. Whether it comes to environmentalism and sustainability, whether it comes, you know, incorporating renewables, whether it's supporting every age of people in the city and, and bringing in initiatives and campaigns that are actually going to be supporting the people. In fact, I hear it over and over that you your campaign is 100% people-powered. And yeah. explain to us what that means.
2: Well, so historically in Los Angeles, the only people who participated in local politics were people, there was a very small group of voters. So we had very low voter turnout in municipal elections. And then there was a group of people who donated to city council campaigns and, and a lot of corporations that donated to city council campaigns. And so city hall policymaking really reflected these two groups' interests for many, many years. So it was like wealthier homeowners who voted regularly in municipal elections and companies and individuals who sought to influence city hall policymaking so that they could profit off of this city. And what we tried to do in our campaign was to say, we won't take a single corporate dollar. We are going to build a group of people who are locals who are interested in volunteering on this campaign and in donating to this campaign. And so that's exactly what we've done. And we actually, I'm very proud to say that not only did we build this group, but we actually outraised the incumbent uh, during the general election.
0: Isn't that? Freaking awesome! That <laughs> the, the power that, that that corporate power, and I'm not saying that all corporations are bad by any means. But I'm just no. saying that the that grassroots feel, where the people who we are all voting for to make a better uh, environment for all of us people, um, they're the ones who spoke up, and bit by bit they came together to support. And you guys ended up raising more than what the big corporations. And
1: that's did. that's the exciting thing that it's not only people powered, but you. It really feels like you are giving power back to the people, because their money and is, is in it, their, their voices are counting. And it really does feel like you're speaking not just to the community, but with them. Uh, and I think that's what, what resonated so much uh, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way we saw youth speaking about you. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk to us about that? Like how are you speaking to youth in a way that is galvanizing them to be involved and take action? I think a big point of entry for young people into our campaign has
2: been through our focus on environmental issues. So we've been endorsed by groups like the Sunrise Movement in LA, by Food and Water Action, by these groups that are really taking a lot of ambitious action on the ground to fight climate crisis and who are really focused on using every tool that the city has at its disposal to fight climate change. And the the city does have some good tools. But I think in our campaigns focus on that on those tools and how do we use them and how we take action on it i think we reflect the urgency of young people who are moved to who you know to really be involved on climate issues mm-hmm. and we're seeing that all across america and la is no different and and so we made a special effort in the beginning to reach out to school students we spoke at a couple of schools we Um, and, you know, especially students at all girls schools are really excited to talk to me because, um, they want to see women who are running for public office. They want to see women who are not necessarily, um, the usual suspects, you know, for public office to be out there talking about it. And so we've, we've also cultivated that interest and invited them in. And we actually have a youth organizing hub, that meets every week. They run their own phone banks. They do their own canvassing. They talk mm-hmm. to their parents and their parents' friends about the race. It's really, really exciting,
0: isn't it? It's just it gives me a whole level, new level of energy seeing that excitement and that passion coming out of our youth because they are our future leaders. Mm-hmm. They are our future big business corporate uh, uh, owners as well as the everyday people, and they're going to be shaping our communities. Um, I want to back up a little bit though. I want to back all the way up to your childhood growing up. What was your, I know you were were born in India, but what was your family dynamic as a child? And did you have a lot of these tendencies and passions that you have now when you were young?
2: I would say that for many years, because we were immigrants to the U.S. and because we were really in those early years, just struggling to make sure that we had a foothold here, that we were moving towards financial stability. My family was not very politically active Mm. here in, in, in America um but as i grew up as you know i went to public school outside in a suburb of boston and as i was growing up there i think i became increasingly politically engaged because i saw around me issues that i didn't see government necessarily grappling with like i volunteered at a, a, a a place where a lot of foster youth used to hang out. Um, I volunteered in different parts of, um, of Boston. So I left my suburb and went into the city and volunteered at all these different places. And I started to understand in some ways the inequities that shaped America. And I started to get more and more interested in these things. It was only when I became an adult and I went back to India and I spoke to my mother's family at length that I realized that for many years, actually my mother had had a very questioning spirit that she had asked questions about inequities around her in in India, that she had been someone who fought for women's rights in her own world and to the to the extent that she had those tools to fight them. And so I feel like in so many ways, actually my mother and I in in spirit are very much connected, but because she came to America and she was so focused on kind of building our family stability, she wasn't able to act on that in the same way that I am able to. And I'm so grateful that my parents you know, bequeathed that kind of stability to me so that I'm able Mm -hmm. to act on my values and and I'm able to kind of uh, bring more people into these discussions
1: than, than, you know, I would be on my own. What was the bridge between seeing these inequities and injustices and and being able to act on it? Like how did, because so many of us, you know, every day we see all of these terrible things and it can be such a sad world. how How do you take that feeling of helplessness And like we, you know, we care about so many things, but how do we take that and actually
0: focus it and create some focus it
1: and yeah, and create change like you have? Whenever I do feel helpless, I feel like
2: I want to make sure that I'm doing everything in my power to be able to address these issues. And even when these issues feel so big and gargantuan, I feel like my focus on either the local neighborhood or a smaller problem that I can address within my own control, that has helped me feel empowered in ways that I think have carried me well throughout my life. And particularly in these few moments, in these few months, these last few months, when I feel have felt so helpless in the face of COVID, I have felt so helpless in the face of a federal government that has failed to really take decisive action on these issues. Um, I felt a, a, a kind of a deep sense of helplessness and disempowerment as I've watched this national drama play out. And yet the thing that has kept me going is my ability to, to shape our local context, my ability to say, okay, in Los Angeles, if we wanna take action on issues that matter to us, if we wanna build a city that's in line with our values, I know that at least in Los Angeles or at least in district four, or at least in my own neighborhood, I know that that's possible. And I know that there's a community of people here who share those values and who I know will work with me to build, see those values come into action. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it is like the only way that I can see my way out of helplessness or disempowerment is to really say, how can I take action in the spheres over which I have control? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it has served me particularly well, I think, with all of the anxiety of these recent months. Mm -hmm.
0: When you, um, I mean, looking at homelessness, I know you have initiatives that that uh, that you're supporting strongly to um, to bring positive change with our issues of homelessness here in LA, as well as just the housing crisis in general. When you have traveled back home to India, we actually went on a trip to India with a charitable organization years ago, and we were working in the slums of New Delhi. Um, trying to bring awareness to a lot of the concerns and issues about child trafficking, child labor, housing issues in general, and conditions of, of living and bringing education. It's an extreme. Like mm-hmm. when we were in the slums in those areas, when you look, there are so many beautiful areas um, in the big cities of India, but there is also that extreme. There's, there's wealth, and then there's a lot of extreme poverty. Has that affected you with how you're attack, uh, countering some of the issues here um, in America? Uh, Because again, like I said, what I saw is that it's a completely different level of extreme.
2: Two things have really become apparent to me as I've thought about the contrast between my experiences in the two places. So one is that I am struck often when I'm thinking about homelessness, that in some ways I'm doing the same things in India that I am doing in LA, right? Mm -hmm. So in in India, in Chennai, one of the things that we did through Transparent Chennai was to count public toilets Mm -hmm. and to evaluate their quality, And here in Los Angeles, one of the things that we were doing in response to homelessness was to look at the kinds of public sanitation services that were available for people experiencing homelessness here in LA. And I remember being struck when I was doing that work, thinking about, wow, gosh, I'm looking at this same question Mm -hmm. in two countries that are of such vastly different levels Mm -hmm. of of wealth and poverty. And so in many ways, actually, the, the thing that has driven me in my work here is that I feel like we have the resources to address this.
0: Mm, Exactly.
2: Much more so than in a country like India, right? And that here it's far more a question of how those resources have been used, how we are distributing those resources and what we are prioritizing either as a city or as a state or as a country in terms of the work that we're doing. I feel like with the resources that we have, it is totally possible to have a significantly better response to the issues around... Mm -hmm poverty that we face here.
1: Is that where you feel like you have a bit of an advantage coming from a background that is, you know, you know you've know, you you've initiated so much change for the public, but you don't have a, a political background. Do you feel that because you're coming in with this fresh perspective, that of the people, um, it'll help you serve the people more? Um,
2: for sure. I think it's really good that I have the background that I do. I think the thing that will help me the most in office is that I don't want to be a politician for 40 years, Mm -hmm. right? I think there are a lot of unusual obstacles to change that exist in our local government. I think the barriers that we face locally to building more homeless shelters, to reallocating some of our resources that we now spend on policing or criminalization of homelessness, to services and to care for our unhoused residents, or to protecting tenants better and making sure people aren't facing eviction, those kinds of changes face, I think, opposition that we may not always understand when we're outside of those, you know, outside of the political sphere. Mm -hmm. You know, if my goal was to then go from here to Congress to wherever, I think that I would be much more cautious about speaking out about barriers to change that Mm -hmm. exist in the government. But because for me... Um, and I know every politician says this, and I guess now I am a politician. So, uh, you know, but 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 I truly believe that for me, I see this role, this city council seat as an extension of my activism, as an extension of the work that I was doing in my own neighborhood to
1: try and improve things. I, I didn't realize, I was reading something on your website that a lot of the votes that happen within within council are done behind closed doors. I had no idea that the public... Not included in in these votes?
2: Well, so the public is included in them. What happens is, so we looked at council decisions over the last four years, so 2019 and and before, and we found that over 99% of decisions made in the council were made unanimously. So that means every council member, all 15 council members, voted the exact same way on Mm. decisions that were coming to them. Mm. I want my council. To have that discussion about what our city should look like, what kind of housing we should be building in public. Yeah. Because these are not easy answers. There is not a unanimous mm-hmm. agreement on what that next step is. And if there is, then we're not discussing the hard questions, you know. Well,
0: and we, we deserve, as the people who live here in LA, we deserve to be a part of those conversations or at least to be able to hear how those conversations are evolving because then we can also bring our voices to potentially help bring that change. Yes. It, it's, it's always smarter to have more heads than one. I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I don't like to make decisions in our household without Linda because <laughs> one, she'll kick my butt. And two, uh, two brains are better than one. And I yeah. think it's just taking it to the next level when you go to the municipal level and you go to the, the federal level. <laughs> I would actually love for you to give us a little bit of the sort of a Nithya political 101, just to structure, because I think a lot of people, possibly listeners, they think of the presidential election. Maybe some people think of state election. Not a lot of people are thinking in their city, in the municipal level, um, what's happening or, or what they should be looking for, who affects yeah. what change. Right. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a really that's a really important question, and I think a lot more people are thinking about it now because of the protests that happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because people were out on the street talking about police brutality and realizing that a lot of questions around accountability for um, for police and 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 the fact that there hadn't been local accountability in the past were because of decisions that were being made by their local government, right? Mm. So here in Los Angeles, we have a really uniquely powerful local government, right? So in LA, we have what's called a a weak mayor strong council system. This is different from other cities. So unlike New York or unlike Boston or Chicago, our council members have a, a large amount of power here. And we have a really, really big, city with only 15 council members, the same number of council members that have been here since 1925. So that means each council district is 250,000 people, a huge number of registered voters, and the council and the mayor together control so much of what shapes our daily lives here in Los Angeles. Here in LA, we also have another incredibly unique power, especially in the fight against climate change. So we control our own municipally owned public utility right? It is, um, it's the DWP, the Department of Water and Power. And we can tell that DWP, we need to get to 100% renewables by 2030. That's the UN deadline. We need to get there. We know we can get there. Climate researchers have told us we can get there. We haven't done that here in LA. We've given them till 2050 to get to that deadline, mm-hmm. right? So I think what, what I would say to people who are interested in this issue of why local government matters is to go out and look at How does your local government operate? What does it control? And how do the decisions made by your local government impact the things that you care about, that you volunteer on, that you donate on, that you vote on at the national level? How do your local government officials impact all of those things? And what have they been doing with those powers this whole time? Have they been moving your city in the direction that you want to see it going or... Have they been moving it in another direction?
0: I'd love to shift over to the environmental side of your passion. Um, What is it that you see as an issue right now, whether it's speaking renewables as opposed to fossil fuels or other aspects of um, green initiatives and sustainability? What are you really fighting for to change?
2: So we, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you can do in Los Angeles to move us to a better, greener future. I've already talked about the push towards 100% renewables. And I think that push can be made much more urgent in LA than we are currently dealing with it. I want to talk about one other thing, which I think is really exciting, but I think also moves us towards a more just city. And that's the idea of making homes more energy efficient. Right now, Massive homes in Malibu actually use less energy per square foot than homes in South LA. And that's because homes in South LA are not retrofitted for energy efficiency. And that's true of a lot of houses across the city. Through our Department of Water and Power, we could be investing in a huge energy efficiency program here in Los Angeles. And especially during this time when we're seeing so much job loss, that would also mean the creation of thousands of green jobs here in Los Angeles that would be funded by our own Department of Water and Power's revenues. So this is something I'm really excited about fighting for, especially because I feel like we're in a position where those jobs have become all the more important to shore up people
1: through a crisis that we don't know how long is it, it's going to go on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk about how the climate crisis intersects with, with that of homelessness? Well, I want to talk about
2: two issues. One is that in the way that our
1: climate crisis is
2: playing out here in LA, and it's already here. So LA is one of the places across America where we've already seen a two degrees Celsius increase in temperature, right? So we are kind of at the forefront of what climate change means for America. We're already experiencing that here. And the worst impacts of those changes are being felt in low-income communities and communities of color. In in black and Latinx neighborhoods, right? Those are also places where where there are heat islands, so it's actually significantly hotter there um, than it is in other neighborhoods across the city. There's not enough tree cover. In in it, tree cover is incredibly unevenly distributed across the city. Um, you know, so in so many ways, what what is playing out in terms of climate crisis here is is very, very closely related to this question of climate justice and who is feeling the impacts of climate change. Um, For people who are experiencing homelessness, they are facing, I think, the most direct impact of it, right? Because they're outside. They're facing the extremes of temperatures that we're seeing here. During the last heat wave, there were reports that uh, I think more than I think eight people died over the over that that big heat wave weekend that we had who were experiencing homelessness. And so for me, taking climate action is also a form of fighting for racial justice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is also a, a form of fighting against some of the injustices that have shaped Los Angeles for so long.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a question about when it actually comes to fossil fuels um, and I'm not sure how deep your knowledge is when it comes to the, the differences in the arguments. We actually we have a documentary that we've produced that's coming out uh, within the month and it's all about the battle in the US between renewable energy and, and fossil fuels. Uh, there is a lot of production here in LA. I mean, you drive around and you can see all the uh, the drilling for for oil. What is the big argument for keeping that as opposed to going to renewables. When I see it from the outside, and I'm not having those behind the door political conversations, what I can see is that there are jobs that will be lost as we close down fossil fuel uh, industry, but there are a heck of a lot of jobs that will be created when we open up renewable side. So there is a balance of somewhat. The only other thing that I can really see is that there are big businesses that make a lot of money in oil that are not gonna be making that money. Why don't they shift their initiatives over to the green side and they can be making a lot of money when it comes to initiatives that actually help the people and help the planet?
2: I think, I mean, I think you've laid it out exactly that there will be, that there are certainly workers that stand to lose from the, the transition away from fossil fuels. But it does feel like a just transition would involve making sure those workers were able to find jobs in, in the renewable energy sector mm-hmm. and that they would be able to find jobs that paid as well and that ha- had all the same benefits and union membership that their old jobs did, right? And I feel like that has been a, a real central plank of the of the climate movement here, uh, in, all over America. I mean, I feel like people are talking about this very openly. I do feel like here, uh, you know, what we've seen in California is that fossil fuel companies, in some ways, are muddying the waters. Um, you know, they're at they're creating these. They're funding these nonprofits that are talking about um, things like fighting for energy choice. The push is being stymied by, by a whole range of actors that are being funded by yeah, the fossil yeah. fuel industry. I also I mean, feel like fossil fuel um, companies are paying into lobbying. They're paying into uh, campaigns for many elected representatives across uh, California yeah and are a major factor in, in, in political donations here in... in, in well, uh, and in that's, that's what
0: frustrates me. That's one of my big frustrations. You know, we lived in Nevada for years, and NV Energy has a monopoly uh, out there. And in fact, they put that their last campaign when people were supposed to vote yes to three, which was trying to get rid of the monopoly so we had the opportunity for more options uh, and renewable options... Uh, they, I think it was, and it's it's public information, but I think it was $70 million or something that Envy that Energy spent on campaigns that were totally misleading. And it made you think that if you voted in favor of what their campaign was, it was actually going to give us more renewable options and, and be better for everybody. But in reality, it was the complete opposite. It was letting them hold control. And it just frustrates me to no end that... There's that kind of money that is put into misleading information instead of just allowing all the information, pros and cons. Nobody wants fossil fuel workers in the fossil fuel industry to lose jobs. We just want to find a way that it can be healthier for them, healthier, healthier for their families and, and the planet. And have more
1: longevity. And yeah. more longevity,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for all of us, um, a healthier future.
1: I, I heard you say in a different interview that, you know, you don't like talking about being left or right. It's just about building a campaign based on values. Like it's yeah. just values and... and- you know, whether we're on different parties, it's just working towards building that thing that is good for everyone. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think being transparent about what are the outcomes that we're fighting for, you know, and then being really clear about the obstacles that are standing in the way and having politicians that are articulating those obstacles. I do think that will enable us to get towards the outcomes that we need in a much more effective and efficient way than we have right now right now we have a system of power that feels very transactional that feels very opaque that feels very self-serving and i wonder what it would look like if it wasn't like that you know i wonder what it would be if 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 it was one that really was designed around working for the people Mm -hmm. and maybe that's too um naive to think that it could be a reality but it 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 feels like it should be. I I don't
0: think it's a bad thing to dream a little and in such a positive way. And then to also inspire that next generation with those thoughts. Because if we put that ideal into their heads, I think that that's going to help them drive to see that uh, in their future. To be that. Mm -hmm. I have a question. So obviously, you know, that twins are awesome. (laughs) Uh, You you have twins, you have two kids. How old are your kids?
2: They're going to be turning five on November 2nd.
0: So what do you think when your kids are 15, 25, 35, 55, what is something that you, aside from what we've already spoken about, what is something that you would like to see them uh, experience in the future that's different than what we're experiencing now?
2: Oh, that's a tough question. You know, one of the things that I think for Los Angeles that I would really like to see is that the more I've been learning about Los Angeles, I feel like... um, there's been kind of the socioeconomic and racial segregation that's defined this city in so many ways. And I feel like if we are working for a better future for Los Angeles, that if we're fighting displacement, if we're thinking about addressing homelessness in, in the way that I know we can, I would love for them to be able to grow up in a city that was not defined by segregation, You know, where it, where they felt like they were part of a very rich and diverse community of people. Um, and that they felt like full members of that community um, in in a, in a very, very deep way. And I, I would love that future for them. And I would love to fight for that future for, for LA.
0: We'll join that fight. I think that's-, that's Very that's, possible. That's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very possible. And I think with uh, enough people that have that same outlook that you have, that same passion and drive, which I'm sure you're going to instill in your children as well, I think we can definitely get there.
2: I hope so. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to- to chat with us and time flies by when we're really hearing so much amazing information. And is there, is there somewhere you can leave us where people can go for a lot more information about their city, about LA um, or even if it is cities across the country that can give them this, more of this information.
2: In LA, I think there's a, there's a really cool website or a, a newsletter called LA pays attention that a friend of mine puts together and it talks about, how city council works, how the board of supervisors works. Do you, I don't know if you know who your super, who, who your supervisor is, but they're even more powerful in some ways than your city council person. There's only five of them and they run all of LA County, which is 10 million people. And so they just have these enormous districts. They're incredibly powerful and hardly anybody knows who they are or what they do. So um, yeah, LA Pays Attention is a source that you can go to for really good information uh, about... What these different levels of government are, how they're making decisions, and how you can get involved in their decision making. I really like two websites or two, or two media sources. I really like the LAist. I think it's a great website, mm-hmm. and I would recommend that people read that for their local news. I think they do have done a really good job of tackling some of the more um, complex issues that have that LA has been facing recently. And I really like LA podcast, which. Um, uh, I have some I have friends who 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 do the show, and uh, and it's a really fun way of engaging with local politics.
0: Oh, that's great! Oh, we'll check it out. That's, yeah, we'll definitely check it out. And I think the one thing we all want to say: let's all just encourage everyone to vote.
1: Yes, it's
0: so important at every level. It's so important for your voice mm-hmm. to be heard.
1: And one last thing: at the beginning of our chat, you said this is you know this is kind of the you know the more stressful time of the campaign. What have you been doing to take care of yourself? Oh my goodness.
2: Uh, You know, lately I've been at night after very, very long days where I've done multiple events and multiple public facing engagements um, and multiple podcast recordings or, you know, whatever. At the end of a very long day, my husband and I will go for a drive by ourselves at night. My in-laws are here. So the kids are with them and safe. They've been here for the past few weeks to help us in the final months of this election and um, we've been going out and I've been getting a milkshake.
1: Nice. Oh, <laughs> nice. Simple pleasures. I love it. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Well, now I'm going to have to go have a milkshake. But <laughs> thank you so much for, for chatting with us. Best of luck. I mean, you have all of our passion to support everything that you're, you're after because we want to see a better LA for everybody.
2: Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. I really am so grateful to, to, to have had this conversation with you. <laughs>
1: It was so amazing to chat with Nithya. And I mm-hmm. think whatever happens today with the election, I'm excited to see how Nithya is going to continue to implement change in the community inspire city. Change. Yeah, inspire and-, and and actually make change. There are already so many people excited to be a part of that change. And I think that's that's the positive thing.
0: So when you look at some of the concerns out there that, you know, stuff that you and I are passionate about, when you look at it, it just seems so daunting, like the environmental crisis. It seems so daunting that you just think there's no way we can tackle this. It's a lost cause. Things are done. But what, what I've always, my mindset, and I think this is something that my dad instilled in me when I was younger, is anytime you have a big problem like that, you don't look at it as a big problem. Chunk it down into small bites and turn it into a bunch of small problems because bit by bit you can chip away at it and then all of a sudden you are making change.
1: Like a pizza
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't look we at the whole pizza. It up, make it into and sizable I can eat a bites. Whole pizza. Well, then there you go. That's why you're the <laughs> one that will make big change because you'll take the whole pizza. One
1: slice at a time. <laughs> so, what would
0: you say for, for you? What is something that has been a passion of yours to, to create change for?
1: I'm really worried about snails. What? <laughs> you know, like snails are walking along and they're just taking their time because that's just what they do. Just, what if someone comes along and, and steps so on? You
0: them? were watching the good place last: I night, was so yeah no but, but um, seriously, I mean I think for me, one of the the, the passions is obviously inequality, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate in this world, and there's a lot of divide, you know a lot of the movement that's happened over the past months, um, a lot of the peaceful Protests that have happened is a step in the right direction, but I think there needs to be a better understanding at the government level as to how we can use our voices to help create yeah. that change.
1: And on the at the same time, I really think that change really does have to start at home mm-hmm. because we can't always rely on on government bodies to to initiate these changes. So my my big dream would be to. Uh, empower every single home in the world to be full of love and compassion and, Mm -hmm. and, and care.
0: The environmental side of things for me is such a huge passion I noticed for you too. And our whole idea of trying to create a home that is something that is zero impact on this planet, finding ways that we can obviously be sustainable, ways that we can be regenerative, ways that we can offset any of our power or um, or waste
1: reduce waste reduce
0: reduce waste or use that waste for mm-hmm. um, some sort of regenerative purpose who knows i mean i saw also on a good place there was that guy living on a farm and he had a system One man's where,
1: waste is yeah, another man's water Exactly
0: he would turn <laughs> his waste into water i have actually seen where was that well, i saw Well don't somewhere. they do that
1: in um, in space
0: Is that where it was? I could not remember if it was Chris Cassidy told us, but somebody was telling us recently that they do, but literally you couldn't tell. It is literally delicious water, just clean.
1: Delicious water? Hey,
0: really clean, good water with no weird taste to it is delicious to me. Um, But you wouldn't know it's your waste because it's been filtered properly.
1: I mean, I believe it can happen recycle Don't waste, get me wrong. I'm not right? trying to
0: convince everybody to drink their own pee in no, waste. No, definitely but, uh, don't do but that. But unless, unless you had a system that actually works. But there was- um, There was well,
1: that movie Matt Damon was
0: in. If I figure this out, I'll post it on social media or on our website. Um, so we, we have a link to what we're talking <laughs> about. But imagine that though. I mean, like with innovation, there, there are so many things that we can do. I love the idea of solar, um, but who knows? I mean, maybe in 10, 15 years, there's more than just solar that can offset um, our energy usage. Yeah, like-
1: uh, why can't we use our poop to, um,
0: Like the a- gas, the methane and whatnot? Yeah, from? for whatever. I'm sure there is. I thought I heard of a car that ran off of human waste. Really? If that's true, you guys need to hit us up on social media.
1: It's the shit.
0: Yeah, DM <laughs> us at, at home and let us know if you have a link to that because I, I read that somewhere, but it, I don't know if you call it the shitmobile, but whatever it was, it ran off of human waste.
1: So do you say you have the runs? I have, to, I have to go on a run,
0: guys. <laughs> got to go pick something up. Well, that would be up. really cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Uh, be sure to share your circle of life with us. We actually, we what want you, you guys- What do you mean
1: by share your circle of life with us? I don't us. know. That
0: just sounded really cool. I just thought I'd say it to be cool. <laughs> no, I want to hear from you guys though. Uh, DM us on Instagram, at home, and let us know what, what you guys have done. One, um, to be more sustainable in your home or anything that you've done to reduce your negative imp- imprint on this planet. And also, I want to hear other stories of things that you guys want us to investigate, look into, talk about, mm. guests to bring on. Or
1: tell us your your big dreams. Share your dreams with us. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you to Chad Carlson and Victoria Shaw for our song Feels Like Home.
1: And thanks to Brangelino, our producer.
0: And also Annalie Bell, our researcher. And thanks to all of you guys who have been a part of our podcast, listening or watching on YouTube really for us we just want to come together and we want to learn more about what we're passionate about and there's so much we don't know there's so much we need to learn and we want to do it with you guys
1: thank you thanks to you thanks to you